Well, this is going to wake you up, okay? It's woken me up big time, and I hope it does the same to you. I want to read from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, and that will be on the screen. And what I've not told anybody is I also want to read from Matthew 18, just a little bit. So, Mark 10, 13 to 16. Jesus blesses little children. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. And then Matthew 18, verses 1 to 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Today we're celebrating children, our children's ministry, our amazing teams, the way uh, uh, we're able to bless them. We're celebrating who they are, who they are to God, who they are to us, and the amazing plans and purposes God has for each one of their lives. And in this church, we have a great history, as we said previously, of providing a faithful children's ministry. And over the years, whilst our numbers may have fluctuated, big numbers, small numbers, whatever it is, week by week, we've been able to teach and disciple children, teach them that their heavenly dad loves them, teach them that that Jesus, their savior, has died for them and is there for them, teaching them that the Holy Spirit is there to empower them. We encourage our children to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to pray for healing and all of those things. And we have an amazing team to do that. But the evidence suggests, as far as the church goes worldwide, children and youth are still one of the most neglected groups in the life and ministry of the church. And when you put this in the context of what is known as the 414 window, The 414 window was based on, in 2015, on a survey that was done by the National Association of Evangelicals, who found that 63% of Christians accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior between the ages of 4 and 14, the 414 window. We have a real challenge, but also an exciting opportunity before us. You see, this 414 window is significant, and I really want to encourage each one of us to grasp its significance. See, not only is it the time when a person is most likely to embrace the gospel between the ages of 4 and 14, and incidentally, how many people here would say they came to faith in that kind of age bracket? Just put your hands up. It's quite a number. 
It's also a time when a child forms their emotional impression of church. And as we know, there's negative press out there. As we know, not all children that come to church will uh, follow him in their, their lives. And we see many people leaving church, young adults leaving church and so on. But one of the most important factors for a returning churchgoer is the quality of the investment and the deposit the church makes during these formative years. Four to 14. Well, it's actually childhood years. I mean, we think of passages like Luke 15, the prodigal son. What was it that brought the son to his senses? Well, the terrible state that he was in. What was it that made the son go back to the father? The kindness of the father. See, that impression that was formative in the son growing up brought him back to know the father's love. Can anyone relate to that? That you've come back, maybe even after many years, because there's something that happened in those years that changed and transformed your lives. But you know there's another aspect of it. This 414 window is the way that children, if you like, are often the drawbridge to the family coming to faith. In so many families, the drawbridge is up. Their experience of church is negative or bad. There's no way across the, the water, the ravine. But very often the children are the drawbridge that allows that contact again. Anyone come to church because of their children? Yeah. See, when we think about it, Children are created in the image of God to flourish spiritually and to reflect Jesus. Children can hear the voice of God just as much as you and I, if not more. Children have dreams and visions just as much, if not more. Children can see the angelic all around them. Which is not surprising when you look at what Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 10. I didn't read that bit. But there's an amazing bit where he talks about the father assigning angels to children. And Jesus, he says this, uh, the angels who always see the father's face who is in heaven. I just love that. He assigns these angels to children. And these angels always see the father's face. Children can worship in the spirit. I mean, some of my most precious memories of Remy is holding him in this church service uh, as we worship. And I've got him in my arms and Remy's arms are up there. He was worshiping Jesus. He was seeing the angelic. It was like there was a Holy Spirit anointing on this little lad as he was just giving his heart to Jesus. And as he still is. Children can heal the sick. And we've got testimonies of that in our children's groups. Children discern light and love. They can also discern darkness and evil. I mean, you know this, don't you? We, we, we would uh, find this with our girls. You know, there'd be times when they would back off from certain people and think, oh, okay, something's going on there that they don't like or sense. And other times go running into their arms because they sense the goodness, the love of Jesus. 
They just need the gentle and the space, encouragement and the space to be released and free to do this. I believe there's a calling on the church to provide this space. You know, traditionally and typically, and please hear me, I I am not being critical in any way. I just want to kind of throw out the facts for us all and state it. But traditionally and typically, we as adults make sure first and foremost that whatever the style of worship we we provide for ourselves, we make sure we have the people and the resources in place before we do anything for children and youth. That's traditionally and typically before anything happens. And then traditionally and typically, I'm not talking about here, but traditionally and typically, what happens then is if there's an overflow of volunteers, if there's anyone mad enough or willing enough to take a group of mixed-age children to some cold room or bell tower or something like that and run some sort of group while everyone else is enjoying the main service, then there's like a little tick box in the church we've now provided children's ministry. Wonderful, how good are we? You know, but children deserve the best. Thank you, amen. They deserve the best feast that we can offer. And so often what they get are the scraps of the table. And I honestly, I'm so pleased to say this is not the case in this church. But even in churches like ours, where we invest financially in children's pastors and assistant children's pastors, and we have amazing teams of volunteers who faithfully have served our children's ministry for so many years and youth, there is still an assumed hierarchy of, if you like, status and importance in which children and youth are invariably lowered down the scale in our thinking. I kind of mean trying to work out, well, why is this? Why is it? I mean, Heather mentioned earlier the, the saying, the children are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement there, or we should be. They are the church of today. They are the church of tomorrow. God uses them now as he will in the days to come. But I guess the disciples, had you asked them all those years ago, would have said, the same thing. You know, after all, in Jewish culture, children are rated so highly. Psalm 127, verse 3, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. And yet we see in this passage in Mark chapter 10 and elsewhere, Luke 18, I think it is, the disciples rebuking those who brought Jesus, children to Jesus. And this brought great displeasure to Jesus, who said to them, let the children come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. I'm so excited and I'm trying to speak too quickly that I can actually get the words out in my mouth. So if I kind of spit and all the rest of it, you know, it's passion in my heart. And just back off from the front. But we do the same sort of thing. You know, we kind of, if we don't say it, we think it, children come in, sit still, be quiet, behave. You know, it was quite fun, actually, when I was preaching up at St. Lawrence, this same message. There was a child in, and the child was just giving it all. And I was just saying, hallelujah. You know, it's kind of like, thank you, Jesus. You're actually making the very point, because everybody's looking around, you know. <laughs> Who's making that choice? That parent can't look after their child and all the rest of it. You know, we do the same thing. We rebuke. We stop children from coming 
to Jesus. Why? Because I think there's actually a fundamental flaw in our theology and our practice, which Jesus challenged then. And I think he needs to challenge it in us all today. And it's to do with the kingdom of God. Okay. You're going to use your hands for this. How many people want to see God's kingdom come in power? Okay. How many people want to see lives change, transform, people coming to Jesus? Yeah. How many people want to see Jersey transformed, that it's an island that really does stand up for the name of Jesus? There's a banner across our island that says Jesus is Lord. Yep. Hands up. Okay. Let me give you this shocking statement. It shocks me. It shocks. It should shock each one of you. And then I'll unpack it. If there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. We're working it out. If there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. Without children, all we have is religion and ritual. Without children, all we do is just dress up, liturgy and groom formality. Without children, all we do is please and appease. And we miss out on the glorious presence, power and love of God in our midst. Let me just explain this. See, in this passage in Mark 10, and it's in Matthew 18 and Luke 18, Jesus draws out three essential keys. The keys of the kingdom. Number one, we have to become children to enter it. Number two, we have to bless children to receive it. Number three, we have to bring children to Jesus to release it. You know, the theological flaw that was back then and is still in the church today is that we think of God's kingdom as adults. We think of God's kingdom as adults. As if when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's for adults, it's received by adults, it's released by adults, it's enlarged by adults. And at every level, that is wrong. Let me just go through those three things about becoming a child. You know, becoming a child in the kingdom is a, is a theme that runs throughout the Gospels. When Nicodemus in John 3 comes to Jesus, this respected religious leader, I reckon he was around about 56, my age. So, young man, you know, lots going, a long life ahead, well respected, or whatever. <laughs> Not. <laughs> he, comes, you know, he comes to Jesus and he wants to find out how is Jesus doing the things he's doing? All these healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And you know what Jesus does straight away? He doesn't kind of like flout any of that kind of stuff. He turns it really upside down. And he says to Nicodemus, he says, most, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And others, he says to Nicodemus, you need to be a baby if you want to understand these things. You have to be a baby if you want to receive these things. You see, a child's mindset is different from an adult's mindset. I'm just speaking in general terms. Children are trusting. Adults are controlling. 
Children are accepting. Adults are striving. Children are expecting. Adults are managing. And of course, all of this changes in the life of a child when there's broken trust, when there's rejection, and when dreams are crushed. So when Jesus speaks of us becoming like a child in the kingdom, he is drawing out that childlike quality of trust and acceptance and expectation that lays down all the things that we like to do to control and strive towards and manage. You have to enter the kingdom of God and take hold of it like a child. See, becoming a child, it it means intimacy. I love it when you, you know, when children run to their parents and just wrap their arms around them. Being close. It's knowing that you are safe, even though you don't understand it. A parent taking hold of a child across the road. They don't know the dangers. But they've just got a hand in their father's, mother's, grandparents' hand. And they're walking across, knowing all is well. A childlike quality when it comes to the Father God. It's kind of like just literally running into his arms. But for us to do that, it takes humility. It takes us bowing the knee before him and laying it all down. Have you become a child in the kingdom? Have you lost sight of what that looks like? See, I think the test for us knowing that is actually how we speak of God. You know, when we come before him and just worship him as heavenly dad, we know we're a child. When we come before Jesus and just welcome him and just ask him just to come and touch us with his love and his presence. That's what a child does. When we allow the Holy Spirit to just fill us, even with all the stuff that's going on in our lives and the brokenness, the pain, and just we're so desperate for you, we need you. We need that heavenly hug. That is what a child. If there's no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. We have to be children. You see, when we're a child, the kingdom's in our midst. And that really links to the second and third key. The second key, blessing children. Let me just briefly touch on that. Because again, I want this to speak to our hearts. You know, sadly, and we all know this, there are people in the world who cause great harm to children all around the world and damage their childhood years. And we see it through war, through poverty, through violence, through exploitation, through neglect and abuse. Just take one area, child slave labor. Slave labor. You know, the latest global estimates indicate that the number of children in child labor has risen to 160 million worldwide. It's an increase of 8.4 million children in the last four years. 63 million girls, 97 million boys were in child labor globally at the beginning of 2020, accounting for one in 10 children worldwide. We had our children up, I think was it 15 or whatever, at least one of them worldwide would be in child labor. 
desperate, absolutely desperate. And of course, we know there are those on our doorstep in our neighborhood who cause harm to children. But I think most of us would agree, and most people would agree, that the natural default of most people in the human race is to bless children. Is to provide a clean and uh, healthy environment, to, to provide food and, and, and water and clothing and all of those things, a good education, at the heart of it to love and to nurture so that children can grow and develop. That's our natural default. But something has happened in recent years, especially in the West, where blessing children is not just about the things we do. At a deeper level, blessing children is blessing them to know their identity in Christ. To know who they are, first and foremost, in Christ. And sadly, so many parents neglect that part of blessing children. The God-given spiritual responsibility to bless them children so that they're the ones that are bringing them to Jesus. So that the child knows who they are. In Christ. And justification often is, and many people have said this to me, oh, you know, even when I do bats and preparation or whatever it is, you know, my child, they'll make up their own mind when they're older. Classic statement. They'll make up their own minds when they're older. And even when they make up their own minds when they're older, what do they find in us in the church? What impression do they have of us? And I think this is why Jesus was so strong in his rebuke of the disciples. He says to them, let the children come to me. And the imperative is like now, not later, not when they're 18, not when they've kind of done whatever they've done in their lives and, you know, married 2.4 kids and had a great career. And then at the end of their career, you know, as life is kind of getting on and kind of the lights going out, they feel they need a savior just in case. Now, let the children come to me. Now, let them run into my arms of love and discover who they are now. And I want to say to each one of us, I just sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit, if this has not happened, if for whatever reason, as parents, we were not able to do this, don't give yourselves a hard time, please. This is not about that. This is about today. God knows all that we go through. He knows all of the challenges that we face in our lives. He knows the pain. I mean, when I think about my church life and how, I don't know how I've ended up in some ways, I was going to say like this. (laughs) I don't mean that, but, you know, pastoring and all of that. So many things of growing up in those formative years, and it's not to do with my personal parents, but the school I went to, that put me off religion and church. The negative impression that I had of church. I know so many of us have been affected by things. So please, this is about today. And this is about what we can do as a church family as we move forward. But the invitation is to bless our children. And we can only bless our children when we're a child ourselves in the kingdom. Because you can't have two conflicting kingdoms at work. All we're going to do if we're not a child of the kingdom is put up obstacles as the disciples did. And let me just briefly touch on the third one, bringing children to Jesus. Jesus says, 
Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Do you know, when Jesus is present, his kingdom is present. When his kingdom is present, lives are changed and transformed. We have to do everything we can as a church community to bring children to Jesus. Everything. I just want to ask um, Heather and Jen just to share very briefly that 414 window, what happened in their lives and how their faith grew when they were children. So Heather first and then Jen. So to keep time, I've made a few notes. But just to say, as I, said, I want to reiterate, if we, and I class me that as parents, haven't done it, today is a new day. And this is talking about the importance, why children and why helping them on their journey at a young age is so important. So I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian home where Jesus was worshipped and central. And throughout my life, my parents led groups um, with children and youth. And I was allowed to be part of that and the youth camps they did every summer. And the benefit of being an insomniac is I got to participate in everything, um, even evening meetings. And so very much involved in the worship and, um, and seeing the hearing the talks and the prayers. And I guess over the time through all this, it caused me to have such an interest and to ask questions. You know, why were my mum and dad so sold out for this? They gave their lives literally. I mean, my dad was a, a primary school head teacher, but all around his working day was given to uh, youth and children's ministry as well. And my mum alongside him. And so I remember one October day when I was eight years old, asking my mum questions, you know, why? Why do you do this? And, and, about, and asking her more about Jesus. I could see this, this person was so important to her. So she sat there. We, she answered all my questions. And then she said, I've got a little book that will help you understand this. Because she realized I got to the point where, because she had talked to me about, would I like this Jesus in my life as well? And so she went and got the book Journey into Life. Uh, I married the author's son many years later, which was another... But I decided right there and then that I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And my mum led me in the prayer. And then from an early age, I think even way before that, I, could, I saw things in the spirit. I didn't understand what I was seeing. And I saw good and I saw bad. And I think sometimes we can think children are having nightmares. I was clearly seeing the demonic. And you know, but sometimes we, children don't even have the voices to explain it or understand. And this is why it's so important that we're around to answer their questions and we allow them to answer questions and ask questions. And we also realize that there's the natural and the supernatural. And as I say, as I say, home was very much centered on Jesus. I also had a really good youth group that I grew up in and was part of. As I say, my parents had given their lives to um for Jesus and, and to see children discipled. And as Phil shared earlier, my dad was head of um, Christian work at CPS following that. And, and actually, even in my primary school, which he was the head teacher, scripture was part of every assembly. And we were encouraged to learn it. And there's another fact that the, the more scripture people can learn when they're younger, the more it goes in. So this is another key why it's so key to believe that children can do this. I know verses still that, um, even passages that I, I learned as a child, 
I saw the miraculous happen and I had my parents understanding and the expectation that I won't go into it now, but my mum had her life saved in a miraculous situation by believing that an angel saved her life. She was on a bike in front of a car. I won't go into that now. By the age of 16, so those formative years had been, so that 414 window had been so key at the age of 16, my faith was so strong. I was really, really strong. I loved my Bible. I, I was just, I was just, I was going for it. Uh, but this was a slightly different era, maybe, to the one that we're in now. And and so uh, just the the revelation, the experience, and the encounters were there, but maybe just different in the way that we might uh, raise or expect children now. Um, but what I do want to say is what happened when I was a child left a lifelong impact. And just as Phil said, he doesn't know how he got here. I wonder if I would have come to faith later in life if I hadn't had what I had. And the encounters I had, the experience I had, the encouragement I had, the opportunities. And so I just want to say, if this happened to me at the age of eight, think what's going to happen to children of today in this age where we're so much more aware of revival in our season. We're not reading about it from Smith Wigglesworth and um, people who've experienced it. We're in this season of revival. And so if that can happen, if I, my faith and what happened when I was younger can it cause me to be so passionate of Jesus all my life, think what's going to happen to the generation of today. And this is where I want to hand over to Jen because Jen's is an exact example of a child raised in revival. Um, first of all, can I say, oh my goodness, I am so excited. Everything that Phil has been bringing this morning, I feel it bubbling up. As we bring our children to encounter Jesus, the kingdom of God is going to come and we are going to see revival. We're going to see signs, wonders and miracles and what a privilege, right? I feel so challenged and it's shocking and it's exciting. And yes, when I was little, I was so blessed to be born into a Christian home. My parents... Um, had uh, come to faith just maybe a few years before I was born and oh no before like maybe at five years before I was born they came into a church that was in revival they were encountering Holy Spirit they were encountering signs wonders and miracles at uh, Toronto Blessing was just pouring out that time there was lots going on and they had lots of speakers coming to their church all the time and as little girls we were immersed in this environment but not only in church it was coming home I remember going out to play and climbing over my parents who were in the spirit on the floor in our home trying to get past them just going out to ride on my bike coming in me and my sisters would play church, would line our friends up and pray for them and expect that they'd get saved. And they were like, what? Like, because we, this is our, this is our life. This is our environment. And we were meeting Jesus and Holy Spirit. I remember when I was 10 years old in a meeting in the evening. I mean, every Sunday night, we were at a meeting. Didn't matter how late it was, we'd fall asleep at the back because my parents valued being where the presence of God was and they brought us in and we'd be up bright and early for school the next morning. It didn't matter, but it was powerful and it was doing something. It was changing me. I was encountering God. It was laying the foundations of my faith. It was placing an anchor in my heart and my life that later on was drawing me back. It was, it was undeniable. All the scripture I was learning as a little child, all the things I was been taught it was going in I had childlike faith I kid you not oak keeps me on my toes he believes it when I tell him that Jesus heals when I tell him that Jesus can raise the dead when I tell him about Jesus walking on the water he absolutely believes it and he says can I do that mummy and my answer is yes 
Yes. And where does it draw me? It draws me into that place where I have to be walking that out. And so I remember at 10 years old in this meeting, I was a little girl and loads was happening and the preacher gathered the children. We were never kept to the side. We were never sent to another room. We were drawn in. We were go to the front. We missed all the praise and the worship. I missed the, the mess and the prayers and the, the manifestations. And, and there we are in the midst of it. And the preacher gathers the children around and he, he starts to pray for us. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit falls and lands on me. And I remember it's clear as day, encountering this thick, heavy presence of God that my little knees started to bob. And I didn't know what was happening in my body, but I was encountering Holy Spirit. And it was profound and powerful. And he hasn't left me since that day. All through my years, even when I, I put, chose to walk away from God at points in my teenage years, he, I couldn't escape him. He was right there in my ear, talking to me the whole time. Jen, I'm here. And all the things I was choosing that were not honoring God, that was turning my back on him, there he was. I could not escape because I'd given him my heart when I was young. I had said, yes, Jesus, come in. Make your home in my heart. That's what we're going to do here with our children. This is what we're doing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, it's exciting. Hearts being stirred. <laughs> Thank you both. I, I, I'm just conscious of time, but we could listen to so much more of this. And uh, if you want to know more, talk to both of them about it because it changes lives. It absolutely changes life. And I hope you're thinking, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Let me just put this caveat out there, and I'm sure it's not, but if we say this is not for me, we're effectively saying, the kingdom is not for me too. And I know that uh, we'll see ourselves in different ways. And I know true that some of us, um, uh, there are people who are gifted in teaching and training uh, our, our children and, and ministry. And that is a gifting. We celebrate that in this church. We have amazing teachers and uh, gifted teachers for both our children and youth. And that's an amazing thing. But actually, this is something we can all be part of and play a part of. Let me just throw in a few things to think about. We can all help set up or set down. Have a word with Diana and just say, how can we help? We can all give warm welcome to uh, new families that come and, and sit amongst us. They may be new to church and uh, we can all say, hi, it's lovely to see you. And not ignore the children, but actually introduce them to say, you know, how are you? You had a good week at school. You know, they're just as much as part of this as anybody else. We can all help with the signing up. Every child that comes in is signed up on a little iPad. And that might be a way of, of helping, something very practical. We can all pray. We can all pray. And I think what this 414 window does is it really kind of sets our hearts with a goal and a vision that as a church, listening to some of these testimonies, and I'm sure here there are many, many other testimonies of what happened in those formative years. But as a church, we are going to do everything we can to see lives changed, to bring children to Jesus, to allow them to know their identity. The enemy is attacking probably more than anything else the identity of people in our culture today. 
And when a child can discover that their name is known by the King of Kings, that their little life is loved and treasured by the one who's created the whole universe, that they're called and he has a plan and purpose for their life. They know who they are. Everything changes. I think we've heard God speak to us. And let's stand together and pray that God would stir us as a church to revolutionize this community we're part of. There's a local school there to really get in and invite and to share as we're doing already, but there's so much more. To see this building overflow with children and families. Or actually there's just not no, no room to meet and we just have to work out what God is saying to us next. And I'll come on to the new centre. <laughs> yeah. But we've all got a part to play. We've all got a part to play. Father, I thank you that as your word says, your heart's desire is for every child to come to you. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. So, Father, we choose to come to you as children. I, I just pray, if you don't fully understand that or you want to know more, come and have a word. And we'll pray for you individually. But, Father, we again just bow before you. We humble ourselves before you as children. Show us in the days and weeks to come what it is to be a child of the King of Kings. To know our Heavenly Dad's love. To just be wrapped round with the arms of the Saviour. To be filled afresh again and again with the Holy Spirit's presence. And Father, teach us what it is to bless children and to bring them to you. For we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.